Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. Father, you're here for the people. Lord God, we just thank you, Father God. Open your hearts to Him, church. Open your hearts to Him this morning. I just keep getting that verse where Jesus said, do not say there is four months until the harvest. He said, look up, look up, the fields are white. The time is now, church. Father, we just thank You that You're doing something now, Lord God. Father, that we have revival in our midst, Father God, that You're doing it now. Father, we thank You for increase on what You're doing, Lord God. We just thank You for such increase, Lord God. Father, that Your people are marked, that You've called them by name. Every single one of them, You've got a purpose. You've got a plan. Father, that Your favour rests on every single one of them for a reason. Father, we just thank You for the impact that this church is having, Father God, and is going to have. Open your hearts to Him, church. Don't hold anything back. (laughs) It's not worth holding on to anyway. Father, we just thank You, Lord God. Such a surrender at this time. Such a surrender. (laughs) There's always more. Father God, we ask for more. Thank You, Lord God. We just thank You for what You're doing, Lord God. Just ask Him, church. Ask Him for increase right now. I was gonna do this at the end, but I just feel Holy Spirit saying, He wants you to ask for something. What are you believing for, church? Lift your eyes. It's not four months until the harvest. He said, now, I wanna do something now through my church. Thank You, Father God. Because we serve a resurrected Lord Jesus, He's not on the cross anymore. God's already done what He's gonna do. And now it's time for the church to move. Such a surrender. If you just feel to get on your knees, do whatever you need to do. We're just gonna stay in this place for a little bit longer because I just feel Holy Spirit here ministering to some people. You just do whatever you need to do. Father, we just give ourselves over to You, Lord God. Thank You, Father God. We don't wanna be the ones that limit You, Father God, that You've already placed us in heavenly places. We're not waiting for that to happen. It's already happened. Father, we thank You for a revelation of the authority that Your church carries. Father, that You just love Your bride so dearly. Lord God, You loved Your bride so dearly that You gave Your one and only Son. You didn't even hold Your Son back from us. Such great love that He's poured out on us, church. We just thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord God. We thank You, Father, for the ministry of Your Spirit, Lord God, setting people free, Father. Father, giving them vision for the future, Lord God. We thank You that there's nothing held back from Your church. I was getting ready this morning and I heard God say, I haven't called you to open the doors, I've just called you to walk through them. Amen. We, we actually can't open the doors. It's Him that does it. But what we do is we walk by faith. Amen. Let's be the ones that believe before we've seen it. You know that faith is so pleasing to God when we believe before we've seen it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we praise you.
how good is the presence of God? Amen. He's so good. He's so good. Let's just give the Lord a clap, guys. Thank you, Father. Keep clapping. We'll give the team a clap while you're there. Thanks, team. Thank you, Father God. Awesome job, team. Bring us into a great place of worship there. Well, I've got the privilege of bringing the word this morning, guys, and I feel God's put it on my heart to speak about transformation. Can everyone just say transformation? transformation. Amen. It's God's design for us. And, you know, this week when I kind of started sitting with God and, and praying about the message, it's funny, the first thing he said to me about the message, he said, this is what you'll be coming up against when you talk about transformation. You'll be coming up against mindsets that say, I'll always be this way. Or there's no new growth to be had. Or, you know, this is just who I am. Or, you know, I've been a Christian 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Transformation is only for those that are in really bad and hard situations. But then the other end of the scale, you've got people who are in those hard, difficult situations. You know, they say, I don't know if God can do that for me. You know, I don't know if he can forgive that. And we call, of course, we know that's not true. But what we end up doing is we end up kind of talking ourselves out, the whole lot of us, out of transformation. When Jesus said, it's more beneficial that I actually go away. Why? Because the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be evident in your life. So transformation is for everyone. Amen. I love Revelation 3.20. And it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's what he's doing, church. At the start of this year, you know, we're in February, but he's standing there knocking. And that's why that word came through about just let him in. Because the next part of that verse says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come and dine with him and he with me. Last night I was um, just praying about the message and just spending a bit of time with God and I put a, a worship song on and God actually took me back to um, an encounter that I had with him at conference and I was like, oh, I didn't even have that in my message but I just felt like God wanted me to share a little bit about it and um, it, was, it was about the third or fourth day and, and there was just awesome ministry going on and I'm not going to go into too much detail about what God actually said to me, but I can talk about the fruit of it. And, you know, I'm sitting there and it's the end of the service and there's worship music going on. And honestly, I just lost it. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been in the presence of God and you just weep, like you just cannot stop crying. And I, I, it was all over for me. Like, it wasn't even, you know, there was snot. It was just like the most unattractive crying ever. I think people thought, she, she needs a bit of help, I think. And I remember Pastor Bow, I don't know if he remembers this, but he turned to me and said, do you, want to, you and Greg want to go into the pastor's lounge after this? And I was like, I can't have any conversation with anyone. And so I just went home. But that encounter with God actually lasted for a few days. Even the next day, we came into conference and, you know, it was like the start of the service and there's a real joyful, happy song and everyone's, there's people out the front dancing and it's more of a praise song and I'm just sitting there crying still, like bawling. The security guard kind of got used to me. He was like, tissues? Like he knew that I was the one that was crying. <laughs> and, you know, God did so much in that moment. But the thing is, when we get into the presence of God, there's always fruit. 
You know, you can't always explain exactly what God did in that moment, but you just see the fruit of it. You know, God set me free in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be in a conference. It doesn't even have to be in a church service. I remember just being at home with little kids and, you know, coming back to God after walking away from him for a while. And I remember listening to a sermon, actually, just doing my dishes and and the Holy Spirit just starts to do a work in me. And something that I'd been in bondage to since I was about 17, God just broke off in an instant. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It brings fruit. It brings change. If you want to turn to Philippians 3, 12 and 13, it's Paul talking and he says, not that I've already attained or that I'm already perfected. You know, so this is, even the Apostle Paul said, there's, there's, God wants to do something still. We never just attain it and that's the end. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also lay hold of me. And then he goes on. He kind of says the same thing again, but in a different way. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But he said, there's one thing I do. Everyone say one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Amen. That's what he wants for us. Press in for the new thing. Press in for the more. Just really feel the presence of God right now. Father, I just thank you. We'll just pray over the word. Thank you, Lord God. We just thank you for the ministry of the word this morning, Father God. We just open our hearts to hear from you this morning, Lord. Father God, we thank you that your word does not return to you void, Father, but it sets out to accomplish that which you purpose it to, Father. We just thank you, Lord, such a surrender, Lord God, that we're here to hear from you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to bring a couple of points just around transformation. We're going to look at a few. Um, We're going to look at Sarah, actually, Abraham and Sarah and what God did through them. But the first point I've got, if you're taking notes, feel free to write this down. It says, truly changed by Jesus. Truly changed by Jesus. So, you know, when God comes in and does a work, it's not just like uh, we're trying to mask behaviour temporarily. You know, it's not just a temporary thing. I'll try and hold that back for a while. He actually comes in and he changes you from the inside out. And there's so many examples that we could look at in the Bible, but one that I love is Peter. And of course, we know that Peter denied Jesus three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Peter just so zealous and so keen for the things of God, and he slashes off the the guard's ear, and Jesus is like, Peter, (laughs) that's not the way we're doing it, you know, put your sword away. But then in the next few chapters, we see that he's hiding You know, John the Baptist goes through and Peter's like, I'll just, I'm good at the door. You go sort that out, John. I got got this covered. You can just kind of imagine what it's like, you know. And I think so many of us can relate to Peter. But then if we look in Acts 4.13, it says, Now when the men of the Sanhedrin saw the confidence and boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated, untrained and ordinary men, they were astounded and they begin to recognise that they had been with Jesus. You know, these guys had had an encounter with the Spirit of God that completely changed who they were. 
actually last night my husband Greg was reading that the story of um, Peter and John at the gate beautiful to our girls and I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're reading that. I need a bit, of, a bit of a refresher on that. And, you know, they go up to the, the beggar and said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And they pull him up. Such boldness. Amen. That's what's available to us, church. I've been reading uh, some testimonies, amazing testimonies actually about um, different uh, people in Syria at the moment. And um, just been so impacted by what God is doing over there. And these people are having, like Jesus is appearing to these people and they are just getting radically saved, radically changed. But one of the testimonies I want to share with you, this really stood out to me. And uh, it was the, the lady writing, and she was writing about her husband as well. He was in the testimony. But um, she titles her testimony, uh, Worst Marriage in Syria. And so for the first few pages, it's, Oh, it's, it was actually a little bit hard to read because just the, the cruelty that went on towards this woman and, and, you know, just the difficult situation that they were in in a war-torn area. And anyway, cut a long story short, but uh, war broke out literally right in their street and her husband ends up joining the war and going to fight and she uh, flees to her parents' house. She had such hate towards her husband that she was actually planning his death. You know, like, hate had just consumed her. And um, so anyway, she flees to her parents' house and he goes to war and she's thinking, oh, great, this, it's done, I'm free kind of thing. <laughs> and of course, we know that's not the way to get free. And um, this guy is hiding in a bunker because there's all uh, terrorists all around and, and Jesus appears to him. And he come, Jesus comes and feeds him and the group that he's with literally gives them physical food and keeps them alive for 10 days, sustains them. And anyway, he, he ends up giving his life to Jesus. And so he goes back to her parents' house and, and she's disappointed. She's like, you know, but she kind of notices something different about him because this is over a period of about three or four months. And um, she looks at him and she actually thinks that he's on drugs because she's like, you, you, uh, you're a different person. You're not who you used to be, you know. And we know that it's because Jesus walked into the situation. The thing that really struck me about this story, though, was that, you know, they were so devout in their religious practices. You know, they had five times a day, they, they kneel wherever they are and they pray and the mosque visit and the fasting and they had their religious activities so down-packed. But there's one thing they didn't have, and that was Jesus, you know. And we've just got to be careful that we don't make Christianity about our religious activity or about what we're doing for God, you know. It's about what he did for us. Amen. That's where freedom is. And you think, okay, well, what does that have to do with transformation? Well, let me read you Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. And you think, oh, okay, predestined to heaven, Yep, yep, we're all going to heaven. But if we actually read on, it says, and if look, if that was all there was, that's enough. Amen? If that's what there was, that's enough. But Jesus says there's more. He said, and the rest of that verse says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Isn't that an amazing verse? So this is the, 
you know, us walking out transformation, this is what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives. He's conforming us, his bride, his people, into the image of his Son. Amen. Go on to the next point. If you're taking notes, it says uh, the next point is transformation comes from knowing him. Transformation comes from knowing him. I heard someone put it like this. You start spending time with God, your list of problems will go down from 17 to 3. Isn't that true? You know, all the stuff that you kind of thought mattered, you just start getting in his presence, you just start spending time with him, all that stuff, you're like, oh, it's actually not a big deal. 2 Peter 1, 2 says, May grace... I'm reading from the Amplified as well, guys. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says, And may grace, God's favour and peace, which is well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. I know that's a lot to take in, but that's what his grace, that's what his favour, that's what all of that does. Be multiplied to you, the next part says. So Peter's praying that all of that gets multiplied to the people. But then the next part says, in the full, the personal, the precise and the correct knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So all that comes in relationship, in intimacy with him. And, you know, as I was writing out this point, I just felt God say, you know, that he desires a relationship with his people that's past just a good morning and, you know, a few prayers that are sent up in the morning. You know, I, I, I can be guilty of that. You know, you, you get, you're busy with your day, but God really wants more than that. You know, if I had to describe, say, my husband and said, oh, well, what's he like? You know, I could describe what he's like because I know him and I live with him and I spend time with him. If I said to you, can you describe what God's like? You know, could you maybe quote, say, oh, well, the books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Would you maybe tell me what church you went to, what denomination you're in? Or could you really tell me what the Father's like? Because that's what he wants. He wants us to know him personally. And um, if we just turn to Matthew 12, Matthew 12, uh, I think we're starting at verse 1 there. And it's um, a story where uh, you see the disciples... Actually, I'll just start reading it instead of paraphrasing it. So we'll start from verse 1. At, the time Jesus, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, "'Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath.'" So they're like, hang on, we need to hold up some standard here. There's no standard. You guys aren't doing what you should be doing. We're going to start doing this. They start pointing the finger. And then verse 3, but he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate, ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, and nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Verse 6, Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. 
And verse 7 says, If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. And I just, I actually got really grieved when I read that story because I just felt God's heart on it. You know, these, these Pharisees, they're going around sort of pointing the finger and this and this should be happening. That it wasn't even what God was doing. It wasn't, what, it wasn't God's heart for that moment. The Amplified says, I desire mercy, readiness to help, to spare and to forgive. You know, so Jesus is there going, oh, I, I just really want to extend mercy. I want to extend kindness. I want to extend my grace to these people. But the Pharisees are just so unaware of what God wants to do that they start condemning people. God wants us to know his heart, guys. You know, we can get so caught up in conviction or what we think should be happening and we just totally miss the spirit of God. And the antidote to that is just spend time with him. You know, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Wow, what kind of God says that? What kind of God appears to a man in Syria that's in the middle of a war-torn country, takes time out of his day to go to this guy and get him saved? (laughs) It's just amazing. You know, they were misrepresenting him because they didn't know him. Point number three. Transformation comes from dependence. Transformation comes from dependence for those who are taking notes. You can turn to Matthew 11.25. Matthew 11.25. I was down the beach in uh, Bustleton for our little break that we had, our getaway. And, you know, sometimes when God speaks to me, it's just a word or I get a verse, but I felt God start to speak to me when I was down the beach and it was kind of a few lines and I thought, I've got to actually write this down. God, this is you speaking to me. And this is what I wrote. He said, when you see your own human limitations, that's when you grow. And that kind of doesn't make sense. But then he said, you realise your dependence on me. And with your dependence comes an awareness of your union with him. Amen. And that's when Christ in you, the hope of glory, takes precedence. So it's about dependence and it's about union. And then he he led me to Matthew 25. Who's familiar with the verses uh, 29 and 30 or 28, 29, 30? Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're going to read that in a sec, but you know, that, that's, that is God's heart right there. But if we just go back a few verses, let's actually put it into the context. So verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. What's he talking about? He's talking about dependence. You know, the Amplified says, the childish, the untaught and the unskilled. there's no qualifications in coming into the presence of God and receiving. Amen. It's just about believing. And I love that the Amplified says that about childish. You know, my kids are asking me for things all the time. (laughs) You know, mum, can you, can you help me get dressed? Mum, can you get me a drink? I'm like, okay, yep, sure. They just have such a dependence on their parents, right? And that's what pleases God. Don't get off doing things just because you think you can do it. Be dependent on him and he'll do far more than what you thought you could do. 
And so verse 26 says, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Verse 27, and this is where he starts to talk about union. Everyone say union. Union with him, fellowship, relationship with him. Verse 27 says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Aren't you glad he didn't stop there? You know, I know God, God knows me, that's it, you're all out, stay out of my little bubble. It's just me and God. (laughs) But he goes on and he says, And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal... That's talking about union. He invites you into this union. He says, you can now come boldly because of what my son did. Don't come in dragging your feet. Don't come in looking back. Remember, Paul said, there's one thing that I do. I press forward. Amen? And that's when we can read verse 28. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice how it doesn't say your works will give you rest. You know, we were speaking just before about the religious activity and the prayers and the mosque visit and all that. That's just religion. That's not going to give you rest. What will give you rest is Jesus. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah, that is freedom right there. And I just love that part where it speaks about union with God. Union, fellowship, intimacy, that's what we want. Um, Funny story, but uh, when we were coming back from our holiday, uh, Pastor Rose messages me and says, what flight are you guys on? I'll I'll try and get on the same flight. And so I said, oh, we're on this one, Saturday, Virgin, 10 o'clock. She goes, oh, cool, yeah, I'll jump on. We didn't talk anything about seat numbers or anything like that. There was just, yeah, I knew she was on my flight. And uh, I think we messaged, actually. We didn't find out when we got on the plane. But I said, what seat number are you in? And she said, I just, as I was going through the seats, I felt God say, uh, 14D, choose 14D. And I was like, that's just funny, God. We're in 14A, B and C. Isn't that amazing? And that's union, that's fellowship, that's communion. That is what... Actually, the definition of eternal life is it's not one day in heaven. Eternal life is the God kind of life. We can have that now. And I think I've said it before from the pulpit, but there's a a Reinhard Bonnke interview and he's uh, getting interviewed and he said, what do you think uh, heaven's going to be like? And his answer is, you know, some people say, you know, that there'll be the glory and, and, you know, you'll be on your knees and he goes... Yep, it probably is like that. Because you know what? I already know Jesus. When I get there, I'm not going to be surprised. (laughs) Hallelujah. If we spend our whole life doing that, just getting to know him, the 17 will go down to the 3. doesn't even really matter. Amen? You guys good for a little bit more? How are we going? So the next point, he's faithful. I want you to say this out loud. My mistakes don't disqualify me. Amen. So if we look at the story of Sarah and Abraham, and I won't go through all the scriptures, but many of us are familiar with Sarah and Abraham. You know, God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. You know, all all people will be blessed through you. And Abraham's like, beauty. 
But the thing that God doesn't say at the beginning, he doesn't actually say that it's going to be through Sarah. In the beginning, he doesn't say that. He just says you're going to be blessed. And so we see in Genesis 16, Sarah starts to go, oh, what's going on here? You know, I'm getting really old. And she tells Abram, he was Abram at that time, and actually she was Sarah at that time, beg your pardon. And she tells Abram to go in with Hagar. Who knows who came through Hagar? Ishmael. Ooh, like a bit of a mistake there, right? You know, a bit of a slip up. You know, these people that are Ishmael, the descendants of Ishmael became major enemies of the Israelites and now still today, because uh, Ishmael was actually, God. this is what God spoke over him, his hand shall be against every man and every man against him. Whew. You know, her faith, the point that I'm trying to make is her faith was not perfect. But in the midst of all that, God changes their names. He says, Abram, you're going to be Abraham. He says, Sarai, you're going to be Sarah. Do you know that the definition of Sarai, according to some biblical scholars, means striving and contentious? Wow. But God changed her name to princess. So she kind of gets into some striving here. I've got to really start making this happen, God, because you're probably not on time, you know. I don't know if she was thinking that, but her action did that. Abram, go into my maid. Whew. But you know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. The Passion Translation says, even if we are faithless, he will still be full of faith for he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. Now, I'm not talking about denying Jesus. That's a whole different thing. I'm just talking about if your faith walk isn't 100% perfect all the time, do not let the enemy beat you up about that. Because here's an example of someone who didn't have a perfect walk, but let's see what God did. Genesis 21, 1 to 2, it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, and this is an interesting one, at the set time which God had spoken to him. Whew, you know, sometimes we think it's all faith that inher inherits the promises, but what else inherits the promises? And patience. Faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. So don't disqualify yourself just because you've stepped out of faith. Get back in. The main thing is that you get back in. And we know that Sarah did do that because in Hebrews 11, 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive the seed. She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. He's faithful. Even when we waver in our faith, he's still faithful. And at any time, just get under that flow of his faithfulness, of his love, of his mercy. It's not about perfection. Aren't we glad? Ha! I got one more point. You guys good? One more. All right. I want to talk about the process of pruning the process of pruning. You can turn to John chapter 15 if you'd like to read along. John chapter 15. We're actually homeschooling uh, our middle daughter at the moment. It's a new thing for us. We've just started this year. We just felt like it was something God said to do. 
And I, I'm not a school teacher, so I'm like having to learn all these cool techniques and I'm becoming a cool mum because I've got like a prize box. Rachel should be proud of me. Went to Kmart and bought a whole little toy, you know, toys and whatever, just for a bit of encouragement. <laughs> but no, it's been a fun journey. But, you know, who knows that it's not just about the end result? You know, God's about the process. And when I'm teaching Alara, I'm kind of seeing this because I can see the answer right there and I'm like, you know, I'm being patient, but in my head I'm like, it's that, that's the answer. (laughs) But it's about the process, right? It's getting them to learn, it's getting them to grow, it's helping them to understand. And, And this is what pruning is, guys. If we read in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 2, We'll start at verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Isn't it interesting that it says, I am the true vine? I thought, hmm. You know, so there are things that we can abide in that actually don't bear any fruit. We don't want to be in that place. That's a hard place to be in. That's the Sarai that's striving. You don't, don't want to be in that place. Verse 2, he says, Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You know, when he shows us things in our life that he wants gone, it's not a condemnation thing. It's a freedom thing, right? If you think about a farmer standing there pruning a grapevine, he's not like, these disgusting grapes, I'm repulsed. How dare you have that dead branch on you? Like, oh, you know, it doesn't repel him. It doesn't disappoint him. He's not annoyed. He knew what he was getting into when he chose you. Amen. You know, so in that pruning, there's two parts to it. He takes away the things that shouldn't be there, but then he doesn't just stop there. He actually transforms us into the image of his son. Ha! Wow, isn't that amazing? I've got one more verse for you. It's Ephesians 4.29, and it says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Don't you just see God's heart there? It's to nourish, it's to cherish. Amen. A part of that is pruning, taking things away, but then he replaces it with something so much better than what you could ever do on your own. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God for your word. Thank you, Lord. We'll just get the team back up. If you guys just all stand. We've ministered by the word. I just feel God wants to do a little bit of ministry by the spirit here. John 17.10 says, All that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And then he says, I am glorified. Where is he glorified? It says, in them. Christ be glorified in the church. Wow. Father, we just thank you. Just close your eyes. Just turn your heart to him this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We just give ourselves over to what you're doing, Father God. Thank you, Lord God. We just praise your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. You know, I heard God say a few weeks ago, there's a letting go and there's a lifting. There's a letting go and there's a lifting. And it's like there's been a heaviness. Some people, it's it's religious works. Some people, it's just because you haven't yielded. 
but I felt God say there's a lifting and there's a letting go. So Father, we just thank you for your work in the church at this time, Lord God. Father, such a surrender, Lord God, for you to come and work. Lord God, you said they shall all know me from the greatest to the least. (laughs) Such hope. We just thank you, Father God, there's no dead ends for any of your people. And I just bind any lies that have been spoken over you that says you'll always be this way or that there's nothing new, there's no change. You'll always have that ailment. Your family will always be in that situation. I just break those lies right now in Jesus' Name. Father, and I just thank You for new life. Just bring that thing before Him, church, that thing that you've been sitting on. He knows what it is. He sees it. He knows it. Bring it before Him and ask Him to speak into that. What are you believing for, church? What are you believing for? Think about that. What are you believing for? Thank You, Father God. Father, we thank You for increase on that, Lord. (laughs) Father, I just thank You that You outdo even that, Father God. Who wants to be outdone by God? I know I sure do. (laughs) Praise God. We just thank You, Lord God. And I just want to give another call. If you're here this morning and you want to give your heart to Jesus, you want to be transformed. You want to know what it's like to walk with Him. You want to know that your eternal destiny is secure. Is there anyone here that would say they didn't know Jesus? You know, you might have been in church for a long time, but you just don't know Him as Lord and Saviour. Is there anyone? Put your hand up if there is anyone. We're all believers. Praise God. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the ministry of your word this morning, that we're being transformed. You're transforming your people. Father, we're a people that walk by faith and not by sight. We just say yes to you, Lord God. We just say yes to you. Yes. Do you need to say that out loud? Just say it. Sometimes it's about an act. It's not just staying in your head. We just say yes to all your doings. Father God, we know that it's just the beginning. Father, there's new wine to be poured out through your church. Just say yes to Him, church. Watch what He's going to do. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. We're going to go out with a song, guys. Um, I'll do a a call for prayer if you want to come down, if you want us to agree with you on any situation, just come down. There's no need too small, too big. In Jesus' name, amen.